Thanks for joining us for a new edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Nick Farrell here. We're talking football today on the Golden Blue Nation pod. And we're joined by our very own Angelica Trinone. Angelica, what's, uh, what's the word here? We got Sam James as a guest this week. We got Sam James on the podcast right before he departs for L.A. as he signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Rams. Um, he and Bryce Ford Wheaton, West Virginia's two receivers to do so. Of course, Ford Wheaton uh, with the Giants there. But I had an opportunity to talk to Sam. You know, I told him, unfortunately, we couldn't get him on any of our shows here in, in the past. Uh, so we reflected on his WVU career. He was West Virginia's leading receiver Last year, Bryce had the advantage in terms of touchdowns, though, in that category. But yeah, so Sam James is one of the new crop of Mountaineers that will be heading to the NFL here soon. And if I'm correct, the full schedule hasn't been announced that yet. That will come out later this week. But I believe the Rams have the Cardinals at home and they're away at the Giants. So who knows? Maybe we could see oh, a little that? West Virginia reunion this year. That'd be pretty cool. Of course, Dante Stills was selected in the sixth round by the Arizona Cardinals, 213th overall pick. Uh, wait, so let me backtrack really quickly. We never had Sam James on the Neil Brown Show? We had Sam James on the Neil Brown Show in 2019. Oh, my gosh. First and only time when he popped off for 155 yards, I believe, at NC State. Oh, yeah, the NC State game. Yeah, he yeah. had a ton of catches that day. Huge game. Yeah. And then after that, he had, I believe, the two two seasons after, did not have a 100-yard um, receiving game for West Virginia. Did have one last season. There were, I think, when I was looking at the stats, three occasions that he was maybe five or so yards away. Um, but, you know, just he and I even talked about, you know, Bryce is the one that gets the attention. He's the one who reels in the touchdowns. But if you look at all those, uh, you know, little plays in between to get him there, often that's where you'd find Sam James. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, it is crazy I to know. think back at the uh, careers that these guys had because of the pandemic, right? Like, uh, I remember that NC State game that Sam James had, man, the, the expectations were sky high after that, a true freshman, or maybe a red freshman, freshman at the time. Uh, yeah. And so the other thing too, is it feels like those guys, Bryce and Sam specifically have been around for so long because they were under the tutelage of Gary and Jennings and David Stills in 18 under Dana Holgerson and then stayed on with Neil Brown and started to make an impact each year after that. Uh, yeah, wow. That if, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know that during baseball season, Randy Macy likes to make jokes about Tevin Tucker being as old as he is or has been, being around as long as he has been. Tucker's been part of the program since like 2018. Same, Same. could be said for those guys. Yeah, I even joked with him about it. I said, I don't know who should feel older in this situation. Me, that I've been here that the entire time you've been here, or the fact that both of us have been here the same amount of time. But, um, you know, just also pretty cool. You'll hear us talk about it. But just the fact that Bryce and Sam grew up in this program together, and now they get to have this same shared experience. Um, you know, two guys who faced a lot of ups and downs in their career. Sam, you know, someone often overshadowed by all of the other top receivers that West Virginia has just had. So what an incredible opportunity for him. He told us he'll be leaving on May 12th to head out to LA. The Rams don't do any type of rookie mini camp. Um, according to my research, they just prefer to do a three-day orientation. Um, but you know, I did get him on the hook for getting closer to the season, I told him he'd have to join us again for an update um, that okay. I told him because I 
said, if you don't, then I'll release the footage of you housing all the hot dogs at the spring football game that I got. (laughs) So he said, deal. (laughs) All right, let's get to Angelica's conversation with former Mountaineer wide receiver Sam James, who's going to try to make it with the L.A. Rams. That after this quick word from our sponsor. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Take me through the whole moment when you got a call from the Rams. Who did you talk to? What was that moment like? Um, It was one of their player personnel uh, ladies that called me. Uh, She called me, I think it was Sunday, like mid-Sunday morning around like 11 o'clock, 12. You know, three hours behind, but... So she calls me and she's like, hey, Sam, how you doing? This is such and such from the Rams. And I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? Like, I already, like in advance, I already knew what it like that it was going to happen because my agent kind of told me already. But just, you know, getting that call, you know, just hearing it and being like, hey, we want to sign you, you know, to an undrafted free agent contract and stuff. It kind of, you know, it was a blessing, you know, thanking God for it each and every day. But it was a blessing just hearing that call and, you know, being able to, you know, get another opportunity to play this game that I love so much that God allowed me to play. And it was just a whole bunch of different emotions running through me. I didn't know what to feel. My mom didn't know what to feel. The rest of my family didn't know what to feel. So it was just amazing being able to get that call. So I'm assuming you were back home for this. And did you have just, you know, some like family there with you this week, that weekend, just kind of waiting to see what would happen? Mm-hmm. I was back in North Carolina with my mom. That's where she uh, lives at now. And so I just had, you know, a couple of my family members there, some friends there, and just, you know, taking in the moment, watching the draft, enjoying the moment, just living in the moment. So it was great being able to, you know, go through that. So let me ask you this then. You said you watched the draft. Did you have any, what was your reaction when you heard Dante Stills get selected in the sixth round? I was excited. I was happy. You know, that's my dog. We came in, we've been in here, been together since 2018. So I was extremely happy. I was extremely proud of him because, you know, it had to be one of us. So I'm, you know, I'm glad it was him. I wanted Bryce to go too and stuff. So, but I'm glad Dante went because he worked so hard for it. And it was just a great moment. I know it was a great moment for him and his family. So I'm just proud and extremely happy for him. Now you said, of course, you had a little bit of a heads up from your agent about the Rams. What were your conversations like with that organization previously? And was there any other teams that you were talking to leading up to draft weekend as well? Um, honestly, I didn't talk to the Rams at okay. all. To be, If I'm being completely honest with you, I was more in contact with the Texans. And I, I talked to the Bengals a little bit and stuff like that. So my agent was in talks with like the Saints, Panthers. And like those were the front runners, you know. So I'm thinking like those are the teams I'm going to go to and stuff. And then, you know, Texas so happened to draft two receivers. And so it was like, dang, I don't know. When they did that, I'm like, dang, I don't know where I'm going to go at now. Like, you feel me? Because I was thinking I was going to go to the Texans. And then, you know, out of the blue, he said he was in talks with the Rams and they wanted me. So that was crazy because I honestly didn't. I never talked to him throughout this process. So that was just crazy that I ended up there. Oh, wow. So that was just a, a complete surprise. You knew you were going somewhere, but the Rams were some someone who kind of came yeah. out of left field. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
That's awesome. So in talks with all of the other teams, um, you know, that you had said you were in contact with, what was the feedback that you were getting? What were some things that they liked? What were some things they wanted you to work on? Just what were those conversations like surrounding your talent? Uh, honestly, it was a whole bunch of like, they liked how I was like, I was talking to the Raiders. They like how my big playability, they love my big playability and stuff like that. They love my special teams tape. And that was mostly to talk like how I could be a big play receiver in the league and how I could impact teams on special teams. And so that's mostly what we've been talking about. And that, yeah, that's pretty much it, honestly. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up special teams because I wanted to ask you about that. Um, Jeff Coons, West Virginia's special teams coordinator, had said, um, I think this was probably a couple weeks into the spring, someone was asking him about the potential of you and Bryce being drafted. And he said, you were two guys who really improved not just your resume, but your draft stock being so successful in your ability on special teams. So along those avenue, that avenue, I mean, that was obviously something that was not only important in college, but that's just another way to get you to the NFL as well. So how important for you has it been to where, I mean, of course you want to go out and you want to make the big receiving plays as well, but to just know if you have that other level to your game, that can just really ensure that success. Um, Honestly, being able to play special teams and playing at a high level is, is, has helped me over my college career, but you know, it's going to help me at the next level because you're not going to go in there right away and be that guy. They already got their guys there. So you got to find your way. And being able to play special teams is going to help me and Bryce, you know, throughout our, our throughout the rest of our careers. And I love playing special teams. Coach Coons, I love him. He has been a tremendous help to me. And, you know, in my on my journey of special teams, like at first, I'll be honest, I didn't like special teams. And then slowly start playing more and more roles on it. And I, you know, found a love for it as well. And I just, you know, took it and ran with it. You know, that's something I think is so underrated, not not only in the collegiate world, but in the professional world as well, right? Because, you know, everybody wants to be that starter, that playmaker guy. And then, you know, special teams is probably the one area where you're like, oh, it's a kickoff, it's a punt. You're not playing paying as much attention to it, right, as you would the big plays. But for you, when did you realize that you needed to have that mentality that while that may not be the, you know, for lack of a better term, glamorous side of football, that that was something that was equally important as what you were doing offensively? Uh, I'll probably say in 2021, that season, I realized that special teams is important. Like, I'm looking in the league and stuff like that. I'm like, a lot of receivers that get drafted, most of them don't play right away. They have to be on some type of special teams. And, like, that's how you stay in the league honestly, is being able to play special teams because a lot of people don't – like a lot of players don't want to play special teams. And so just being able to, you know, have that edge going into the league is if is great, honestly, that I was able, you know, to learn as much as I could from Coach Coons and Coach Brown and, you know, that staff on special teams. Like, because they drill it. You know, you've been to practice and you've seen it. They do a lot of special teams. And, you know, just being able to be part of that organization and just learning has been great. What have you been doing since – the end of the season, obviously, we got to see you at Pro Day, but in order to get yourself next level ready, because, you know, I hadn't seen you in a few months and I saw you at Pro Day and I was like, oh, so there's just something different with Sam's strength. Like, it looked like you and Mike Joseph were going hard in the weight room over those uh, couple of months. So what were some of those things that you were focusing on, you know, just kind of to, to take that next step? Um, Honestly, I was just focusing on, you know, gaining weight and getting stronger. 
And that's what I did. I uh, trained in Atlanta with uh, Scoob at Zilla Training. And he broke it down, what I needed to do, how I needed to do it. And we got to it. And, you know, I gained, I gained weight back and I got stronger. So that was it. That's what we, but the workouts we went through, he tried to kill me. Then I get back to West Virginia. Coach Mike tried to kill me. And I'm just like, well, I guess I just got to try to kill myself every time I go to work out. You know, I'm just curious, like, did you keep track on any type of like gain that you made? Like, do you have a number or like any type of comparison from where you were even at the beginning of last season to now? Uh, So from the beginning of last season, I weighed maybe like 178 ish. And I it varied from like 176, 178 and stuff like that throughout the season. And after the season, I probably weighed at the, probably like 176. When I got to, you know, pro day training and stuff. And then just from there, it just kept gaining and gaining and gaining. The heaviest I've been was probably like 187, but I felt like that was kind of too heavy for me. So I dropped down two pounds, even though two pounds don't sound like a big difference. It was to me. And so I just tried to stay at 185 the rest. And that was my that was really my goal was to get to 185 and hold it, maintain it and see if I can move with it and stuff like that. So those are the numbers I was chasing. And I, you know, I got her got there. So. Along this process, Sam, I mean, obviously you and Bryce are two guys who really grew up in this West Virginia program together. And now you, you know, are fortunate enough that you're both taking your careers to the next level at the next time or at the same time. What has it been like to kind of just have somebody like Bryce to go through this process with from really just the start of becoming West Virginia players to where you guys are now? Honestly, it's like having a brother that you grow up with all your life and y'all do everything together. Like y'all go like y'all hang out together, y'all grow together, y'all train together, y'all push each other. And that's what it's been like a brother relationship with me and Bryce. I'm extremely happy for him, proud of him and all his accomplishments, you know, and it's just been great being able, you know, to be by his side, push him each and every day. He pushed me each and every day and we just be there for each other. So it's great seeing him, you know, being able to get that chance. You talk about, you know, you guys being there to kind of help push each other. I'm sure during this whole process, you guys were probably in contact, right? Just, you know, kind of trying to help each other any way that you could during that time. Yeah, we would call like if, when we're training, we would call, see what I see what he's doing, what type of workouts he's doing. He calls, see what type of workouts I'm doing. Call, see, if, play the game, play Madden. You know, he kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> But, you know, with, you know, just little things like that, just to keep in contact, you know, even though if we didn't talk every day. We, you know, we would call each other once in a while just to see how we're doing and stuff like that. And then throughout at the pro day and stuff, like we both were still in Morgantown training with Coach Mike. So we would talk about the process, what, he, what he's going through, what I'm going through. Uh, he'd give me pointers on certain things. And like I, I listened because, you know, he went to the combine and stuff like that. So he knew a little bit more than I did at the time. So, you know, I'm just listening and taking it all in, just trying to learn so I could be better for myself. So with Bryce, you know, the story, everybody with Bryce is, oh, he's such a big body. He's a big body receiver. So when you when you put on a little weight here over the past couple of months, did you you like, you know, show up at him? You're like, hey, Bryce, uh, you're not the only exactly. one. <laughs> I said, Bryce, I'm not little no more. I'm going to beat you up. And like, <laughs> but nah, yeah. So I when I got back, I like, I told Bryce, I'm like, Bryce, I don't got I don't gain some weight now. So, you know, you ain't no pushing me around no more. So, you know, that was good. That was just, you know, me being a brother and stuff like that. So it was fine. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, um, you know, there's a lot of 
former West Virginia players doing things kind of at different levels in the NFL. Um, maybe some guys you probably would have played with in the past, but just curious, have you, you know, had a chance to talk to anybody who is currently in the NFL that played for West Virginia? Honestly, no, I'm not going to sit here and like yeah. say I have, I haven't honestly, probably the most recent I probably talked to was George. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that was probably, I'm going to be honest with you, a while ago. But he's the most recent I've talked to. Yeah. I um I guess probably I think Gary Jennings would have been the last receiver that was that that had actually like signed and went to the NFL before you and Bryce did. He was the last receiver drafted. Um so yeah, I was just curious if you had a chance to talk with any of them. But as far as your career in Morgantown goes. We didn't have any chances to talk to you this year on any of our shows. So I kind of just want to revisit your time in Morgantown. As you sit here right now, what would be the biggest thing that you could attribute to West Virginia of, oh, I learned this there, I was taught this there, and that helped get me to this position to go to the NFL? Honestly, it, like, it probably has nothing to do with football. And that's just like opening my heart and just, you know, being that guy off the field, honestly, because the community in West Virginia is great. It's actually tremendous. I love it. And I think, you know, it, I had some, it's been up and downs, you know, but, you know, the fan base and the community stayed strong for us. And I really appreciate that because they opened up their hearts and they showed us how to truly love, you know, regardless of what's happening. And I appreciate that. So along those same lines, too, I mean, you know, in this day of the transfer portal of, you know, if you don't have the type of season you want, maybe some people leave for various different reasons. I know, obviously, that didn't really impact you much because that was kind of later on in your career. But you're someone, if you look back from your start there, I mean, you quite literally saw it all in a West Virginia uniform. You had some highs, you had some lows, there was some, you know, great times, there was some bad times. How do you think what does that say about you as a player? You think that even though during all of that, it seems no matter what, you were one of those guys who you just always believed in the program, the state, the university, the team, that really no matter where the chips were falling at any point. Um, Honestly, just me wanting to finish what I started, you know, like, you know, it had some temptations of me wanting to leave and stuff like that. I mean, it probably was in the air that, oh, Sam might enter the portal and stuff like that. But, you know, after after I really like sat down and thought about it, I'm like, I really started this this thing in West Virginia. So I'm going to finish it. And that was the biggest thing why I never entered the portal, to be honest. And just loving the state, like I, it felt like I grew up, you know, in West Virginia, honestly, because they took me in as their own. And it, and that's really the reason why I never left and why I love the state so much. You know, that's so interesting, Sam, because talking to um, this is just a most recent conversation that comes to mind. Safety's coach Dante Wright, he was asked in the spring about how challenging it is for coaches. You know, you also build those relationships as a coach. You get to know these guys how it was kind of, you know, how for them, do you take it personal? And I thought that he had a really great outlook that he said that in this day and age of the transfer portal of NIL, of all of the different reasons that guys would want to leave programs that he said, he, he still believes in the tough love type of coaching, but he believes in order to do that, you have to first build a relationship with who they are as a person. And it, and it sort of sounds like from what you just said that, 
maybe those relationships and those bonds that you created at West Virginia were something where even in a challenging time where you may have been tempted, they also helped you realize this was the place you would want to be. Yeah, that's uh and after the 21 season, I was that's when I wanted to transfer and was thinking about transferring. But my relationship with Coach Parker at the time before he ended up leaving and stuff was really strong. He knew like he really knew us as a person. Like he knew me as a person and he understood me. He understood where I was coming from and why I wanted to leave. And, you know, we just sat down and had a conversation and I'm like, all right, now I see what type of person like what type of person and coach you are like you really care. And so it really is about the relationships you build with your coaches, even though in the in the college sports coaches could be there one day and they could leave because I don't have four different receiver coaches. And just that was probably the toughest part on me, having four different receiver coaches and trying to build and trust them, like trust all over again. But the more you open your heart, the easier it is. Keep God first. And that's what I did. And I just kept moving and kept pushing. And I think that that's something too, Sam. I mean, I I keep bringing up you and Bryce because obviously you and he were two guys who were here basically the same amount of time, went through the same things. That I think that's that's something a lot of people don't realize is the adversity that the receiving core alone had went through over the past couple of years, having all of those coaching changes, those different ideas coming in at that position specifically. How... How do you, as a player, you know, I just talked about Coach Wright saying it's sometimes it's hard not to take it personal, right? How do you, as a player, when you keep seeing this revolving door, just when you build the trust, you're starting to get that foundation. I mean, how challenging is it to kind of stay on that path? And then when a new person comes in, it's almost like you're just starting over again. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're starting over from ground level, and it's it's, it's kind of difficult. I'm not gonna lie to you because you, from one coach, you learn everything that he that he teaches and that he coaches, and then a new coach comes in and it's like, dang, like I feel like I'm doing so much wrong, and like sometimes it can mess with your confidence. It can mess with a lot of things because it's like, dang, he's telling me I can't do this, but my last coach was telling me I could do this. And, you know, it's just it just messes you up sometimes. But then I had to realize at the end of the day, like it's a business and things are going to happen. And then when coaches come in, not all of them going to be the same. They're going to have their different coaching ideas and you just got to have an open mind and be willing to learn. And that's what I kind of, you know, towards the end of my career, kind of understood more because I got older. You know, I got more mature and just growing and stuff like that, that I kind of understood that. And so it was better on the back end, I would say. But it was kind of hard. Like when it first, like when it first happened, I was devastated. Then a year go by, another coach, I was devastated again. And I'm like, oh wow, like I really don't know what's about to happen. And so it was hard, you know, going through that. But you know, keeping, you know, keeping your friends close, talking to them, talking to your family and stuff like that, it'll help you get through it. So do you think that also can help you? at the next level as well, because I mean, for as much turnover as there is in the college world, I mean, it you you don't know who you're going to work with whenever you get to the NFL, right? So I guess maybe in a way, that's something that also can help you moving forward, having already experienced that. Yeah, it most definitely could help me, you know, moving forward, because, you know, NFL someday, you could walk in the building one day, next day, you'd be part of another, another organization, another team, another coaching staff, another receiver coach and stuff like that. So it it'll definitely helped me. Now that I'm old enough and I understand it more, like it'll definitely help me. So obviously you got to work with Bilal Marshall in a different capacity as a GA, but now he's the receiver coach here at West Virginia. What was your experience with him like and what do you think 
that he can do for this next generation of West Virginia receivers? Um, it was a great experience because he was learning. He learned. He learned everything he know from Coach Parker, and Coach Parker was a phenomenal receiver coach. And just being able, even though he was a GA, he still like understood what like Coach Parker's teachings, and he still helped us. You know, if Coach Parker couldn't help us, Bilal was there. You know what I'm saying? And so it's actually amazing that Bilal was back as the head receiver coach. And it's crazy to even think about because, like, just a couple of years ago, you was a GA here. And it's like, dang, like, who would ever imagine that you'll be back here at, at the head receiving coach job? And I feel confident that he's going to get the job done because he knows what he's talking about like playing this position. He played the position. He understands how to play it. He knows the things that you have to go through in playing this position. And he's young, too, so he's able to, you know, relate more to the guys and, you know, understand the guys more because, you know, he's more hip, I will say, you know, to, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, he'd be able to, you know, connect to those guys and get those guys to want to play for him. So I don't want to put words in your mouth here and I don't want to make you say something you don't want to say, but just from listening to you, it seems that maybe out of all of those coaches that you had that maybe coach parker you would say is the one who left the biggest impact on you during your time yeah he was with me the longest he was with us uh with me for two years and just he has because he was like i want to say none of the coaches were more than a coach but yeah. he truly showed that he was more than the coach you know he had us at his house you know a lot just spending time with us off the field getting to know us as people and that was the biggest thing is just like you want to take your time out to get to know us as people to, you know, truly understand us and how like he really he knew us down to a T. Like if we was having a bad day, we don't have to say nothing. He would know, put us aside, what's going on, like talking to me, stuff like that and being open and stuff like. So he has like I would say Coach Parker left the biggest impact on me in my college career. So now as you sit here and you get ready to embark on this NFL journey, I think maybe safe to say that you're glad that you made the decision to finish things out at West Virginia to get to where you are now? Yes, I would say I am extremely glad that I, because I went through so much and I learned so much, you know, through this journey and through the journey at West Virginia, and I'm so grateful for it. So I am glad, you know, I was able to, you know, do it, do my career at West Virginia. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. When you think back, I mean, man, there there's just some crazy games in recent memory for either way. But when you look back and you think on your career there, is there one game, one? I, I mean, is what do you think is the first thing that's going to kind of come to mind first, going to stand out that you'll always remember? Um, I really don't know. Like, I enjoyed every home, like, I enjoyed every home game that we played. Like, whether we won or lost, like, I enjoyed it because the atmosphere – was just incredible the fans were in it whether we were playing good whether we were playing bad it didn't matter rain nothing like the fans were there and honestly I, it wouldn't even have to do nothing on like me playing on the field it was just me just running out and just hearing the fans cheer for us like that's probably the best feeling in the world honestly yeah so so now what's next for you uh, i mean is there do you kind of have a, a timetable when are you leaving when will you start any type of you know like training or going there to the facility what's kind of the next step with the rams um i'm actually we're uh we start everything next like i'm leaving friday may 12th and so that's when i officially get down there and start everything with the team and try to find my way Exciting. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. And I know that you you are probably like at this point, just more than ready to get there. Right. I would assume like if you if you could start today, you probably would. 
Oh, a hundred percent. They want me to come today. I'll hop on a plane right now. I'll go. <laughs> well, Sam, we appreciate your time. It's been so awesome getting to work with you. Um, you know, over these past couple of years, it's, it's a sad moment for me because, you know, you Bryce and Dante, like you guys are my guys, like that's been my core. And now I'm kind of like, what am I going to do with that? Who am I, who am I going to make Mike up? Who am I going to say, take this GoPro and do something. So, um, we'll definitely be missing you for sure. But I think I probably speak for a lot of people in this state that now we'll just wear a different color of gold and blue, right? Like we'll just, you know, have to support the Rams as well. So um, thanks so much for taking the time. And hopefully maybe once you get some training under your belt and stuff like that, maybe we can revisit and talk with you at the end of summer too. Most definitely. And thank you so much. That's our very own Angelica Trinone chatting with Sam James, signed as an undrafted free agent with the L.A. Rams and is going to report to the team very soon. Well, Angelica, here, the football news of the last week is the announcement of the start time of the Penn State game, which is the season opener. And it got leaked, and then it wasn't leaked, and now it's official prime time on NBC, September 2nd in Happy Valley. Man, they love they love the Mountaineers in prime time, don't they? How about they? that? Back-to-back I mean, back seasons. Yeah, last year happened um, at Acrisure Stadium, forever known as Heinz Field. Now West Virginia has a great opportunity on, I mean, you know, the biggest stage up against just one of the nation's, you know, elite football programs. That one's going to be a lot of fun. I know that – I obviously know that, you know, they, they reserve their whiteout for – their you know other games and their other rivalries but man if if we roll up to Penn State and it's cool. and it's some type of um you know like promotion like that I just think the environment is going to be absolutely awesome and we know Mountaineer Nation will be traveling right on up there yeah although it's going to be hard to get tickets yeah I mean, I, I, I think that's a given when it comes to Penn State I know they can put more than 100,000 people in that stadium but it is not going to be as easy as it was to get tickets at Acrisure Stadium for the for the pit game, and and I remember before the pit game there was all that talk about it would be uh, the ratio of fans would skew toward West Virginia. That definitely was not the case. Um, but on the second hand market, you could definitely tell that West Virginia fans they did some work. I mean, they got in there behind, especially behind the team bench where we spent most of our time yeah. on the sidelines that night. There there was a really really solid contingent of Mountaineer fans. But Penn State's a different animal, man. It's yeah. going to be a way different animal. It's going, yeah. It, the environment's going to be crazy. Just, I mean, what what an experience. Regardless, I'm looking forward to it. Just you know, being there. But too, if there's one thing we know about Mountaineer fans, they'll they'll dish out the cash to get those to get those tickets to be there to support their team. I know our former intern, Golden Blue Nation intern Jaquay Hubbard, offensive lineman. He says he's been looking forward to that Penn State game for a long time. Kid who grew up in Western PA, uh, almost on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio, looking forward to playing against Penn State and Pitt. What did he say? He says when he thinks about the Penn State game, he wants to eat fried chicken for lunch. But he, he thinks goes, about the Penn yep. State game and then he eats a salad. He goes for the salad. <laughs> that was the quote of the spring for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I think that right there, that's, you know, that's peak Jaquay Hubbard, but in that just lets you know that, I mean, even this far out, that, I mean, those guys are thinking about nothing but that game. And then, of course, a close second is probably whenever Pitt will come to town. But just a great opportunity, too, to play both of those Pennsylvania teams, I think, in the same season. I think that's just an incredible opportunity for the football program. Absolutely. Mountaineers get Penn State September 2nd, Duquesne at home September 9th for the home opener, followed by Pitt, 
round two of the Backyard Brawl since the reboot. That's set for September 16th at Milan Pushkar Stadium. After that Big 12 play the rest of the way, reminder that the Mountaineers will play all four of the Big 12's newcomers this fall. Hey, one last thought. We've got another football-related podcast coming up this week, and we invite you to check it out. Probably going to drop Thursday. It's an interview with Letty Brown, who's getting ready to play in the XFL championship game. He plays for the Renegades. They're playing the Defenders this weekend for the 2023 XFL title. Uh, It'll be cool to catch up with Letty. Ryan Decker has that interview. So uh, we invite you to check that out when we drop it here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you've downloaded the free Golden Blue Nation app as well because there's also a humongous baseball series coming up this weekend at Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark. Mountaineers entering the weekend with a two-game lead in the Big 12 Conference standings taking on Texas Tech while Kansas State and Oklahoma State, the two second-place teams, are going to battle each other. Mountaineers could get extremely close to locking up a Big 12 regular season title if they take care of business against Texas Tech. Then they'll go on the road to play Texas for the regular season finale before the Big 12 championship begins May 24th in Arlington, Texas. So if you're a football fan, make sure you're checking out that podcast on Thursday. If you're a baseball fan, make sure you're sticking with us for coverage this weekend. All right, that's a wrap on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast presented by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.